next episode of oh welcome back to the next episode of the excelsior podcast today we have with us two magnificent people mr brett hornan and mr costantino rosselli so brett and costantino for those who don't know you can you please give a brief introduction about yourself yeah happy to uh very nice to meet everyone my name is brett hornan i be, i'm based in hong kong uh, i've been in the blockchain space for about six or seven years now um, for my personal side, and I've been working at Accenture in blockchain for the past six years. Um, I've covered a variety of things across blockchain, both permission and permissionless blockchains, you know, tokenized uh, money, tokenized financial instruments, tokenized non-financial instruments, digital identity, a little bit of everything in the past six years. So very happy to be here today talking to you all. Um, I guess for me too, I'm Costantino Rosselli. Uh, I'm based in Greece and Milano. I'm traveling between uh, two countries as I am Greek-Italian. And um, I'm the CEO and the founder of uh, Netizens, which is uh, Metaverse uh, Creative Studio, uh, a marketplace, fashion marketplace for uh, Web3 and immersive experience agency. And um, I am also um, a member of an advisory board in uh, Metaverse Fashion Council and uh, on uh, at uh, System uh, 256. All right. So here's a question, which, you know, a personal question of sorts. What made you all get into Web3? Did you all see something that really needs to be addressed? Was that something you all were really curious about? So how did your journey into Web3 begin? Brett, if we can start with you. Yeah, so my journey really just began because I was in the blockchain space. So obviously the term Web3 has been around for a while. I think the past three or four years, it's really become much more popular um, from a term that people use. But I've really just been fascinated with tokens and tokenization for, you know, since I kind of got into blockchain six years ago. So originally, you know, it was crypto. And then a lot of the stuff that I was doing in the enterprise space was still tokenization, just maybe a different architecture. Um, and then as kind of the proliferation of NFTs occurred these past few years, right, and it started to come from the financial side and into the brand side, um, just kind of, you know, been working in that space and, you know, new term, similar technologies underneath that term. So kind of just been in it and, you know, very excited to be in it. I think that the proliferation of the idea of true digital ownership, the kind of transparency, portability, interoperability, et cetera, um, is really what has me excited about this space. So, Constantina, was your journey the same way or did you come from a different background? Um, my background was uh, on um, on computer science, based of all. And the second thing, it was about fashion, which is, was the industry that I was working in the most. And uh, I saw that there was a big organization there that it was really, really uh, difficult to um, connect, let's say, the audience with um, with the designers, and um, the big players always take the big pie, <laughs> and uh, that uh, didn't give uh, the opportunity to everyone. So we had a problem of, inclu uh, of uh, inclusivity, let's say, or diversity and sustainability also of the system. And um, I figure out that the metaverse it was. Um, an opportunity to go there and to disrupt the, the fashion business model. And this is what we're doing in Netizens. This is what we're trying to do, actually. It's not get there, but uh, this is what I had in my mind, first of all. But um, before that, I started thinking the, the human evolution. I mean, 
how we move forward when the humanity priorities are changed, but the system that we work in building things are the same as before. I mean, they serve us until now, but they cannot serve us to the future. So based on those two motivations in myself, I uh, build what I build in Metaverse. That's a very unique way, you know, because I think you had mentioned previously that, you know, you also hail from a marketing background. So, Brett, you mentioned you were also in the blockchain space. So, have you all not, like, have both of you noticed, like, is marketing a core tenet of Web3? Because I see a lot of people on LinkedIn or Twitter, they try and draw parables between Web3 and marketing. So, would you all say that is the, you know, like, having a marketing background really helps being in the Web3 space? I mean, this is a question yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Please go ahead. Like, okay. So, like, um, yes, I um, Okay, my uh, experience in marketing is very huge. I mean, this is my field uh, in the last uh, 15 years. What I see in marketing is that um, everything new that is coming, the marketing always plays a role. It's not about the Web3 is about marketing, the metaverse is about marketing. No, it's not. It's a new environment. And in a new environment, there are new rules on how to do marketing or how to do sales or how to do things like that. So it's not just a tool for the marketing, but marketing need to invent, to invent new tools in order to do things in the new environment. So blockchain the same and uh, um, has a new rules. I mean, blockchain that Brett is expert is the main concept of blockchain is transparency. And um, this is a new way that you need to do marketing. Yeah, I, I like what you said there, Constantino, that it's we're operating in this new environment, right? And especially for on the traditional enterprise side, right? This is a very, very new environment. And so as you think about the tools you have um, to approach your customers or to go after customers and to engage, engage your customers, right? This is another tool in that toolbox. And so as a marketer, right, the, the reason you see it so much is because tokens can kind of create new incentive paradigms. It can create new engagement models, new both short tail and long term engagement models. And also kind of, you know, what we saw at the beginning of this is when traditional brands were, were starting to pair with Web3 native brands and you were kind of targeting and maybe a net new community or net new customer base that you didn't already have. I think that's why marketers are, are 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 looking at this very closely, and people are talking about it, is because it's another tool in that toolkit. Exactly. You know, like after you after you all said this, like an interesting quote comes to my mind. I don't know who had posted this on LinkedIn, but essentially, in a nutshell, it was like value creation in Web three starts with a beginner's mindset. So that being said, what do you all say is Web three purely a byproduct? of the pandemic. I mean, come to think of it, the pandemic birthed many ideas and, you know, the NFT boom happened during the pandemic as well. So is it true, like, you know, like, would you all totally agree that, you know, wouldn't Web3 be a, as a whole, you know, an inherent byproduct of the pandemic? Constantino, if you can start with you. Um, okay. Um, no, it's not a byproduct of Web3 and the whole technology of all of everything that we um, became, let's say, as a world popular to, to right now. It's not something that started with pandemic. 
it's something that forced by pan pandemic. I mean, we bring the tools in front of us because we have the pandemic. It's like wars when they happen and then technology is coming to give solutions on that we already have in our uh, in our labs. We're working on that. I mean, wars like um, like uh, like for example, or um, I forgot the names right now. But anyway, there were a lot of VR wars that um, today they trans transform it with, in metaverse worlds that had started on, uh, on 2002. And um, they were very profitable, but nobody knew until then. So pandemic gave us the, the, the reason to force ourselves to move uh, forward. I mean, for example, um, I was working in remotely uh, way from 2010, but people, the mass, let's say, adopt the way of remote working from 2013, because uh, sorry, 2000 to 20, because of pandemic. So pandemic, it doesn't create technology. Laptop create the the, um, uh, the way that we work remotely. The technology create the reason to do it, but the people are forced to do it because of pandemic. Yeah, I I think that you're right. Just to that point is you know, blockchain and other distributed data technologies that are part of this movement have been around for much longer than just the pandemic. I think what the pandemic really did was made us question our digital lives because we were spending so much time in a digital or a virtual environment. And so at that point we were saying, well, this isn't that great. This could probably be better. And people started to look elsewhere for where could it be better? I think gaming really proliferated during that time and probably a lot of non-traditional gamers entered the space and started to think about things differently. So it definitely brought more attention to these technologies. These technologies were also at a good point where they were starting to mature much more than they were in 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, so I think it was like kind of a, where two things collided at once and the pandemic made, really made people say, oh, okay, there is this technology out there. What can it actually do for me? And sure, you saw a lot of hype and you saw a lot of, you know, not great things in this space, but you also saw a lot of improvement, a lot of steps forward and a lot of real kind of applications and platforms emerge out of this that were probably here or probably around before, right? But that kind of came out of it stronger because they now had customer bases. They now had people that valued the, the tenants of ownership and portability and interoperability and experience that um, people had been talking about for a while before, it just was not mainstream. All right. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, you know, going back to what you said, Brett, before we, you know, started the actual discussion, you mentioned, like, these things existed, but that is just, you know, uh, some sort of a title under which, you know, all these things, you know, fall under some sort of an umbrella of sorts. So, uh, you know, speaking of that, Brett, I read an article on token gating without tokens. And this uh, probably also, you know, posted like you know tokens may not be the answer to every use case so uh you know like just quoting what you had stated in the article like you know to token gating the tokens for those who don't know token gating is when a brand or organization grants special or differentiated access to holders of a specific token or tokens so in that article while you know you said and you know you shared that uh, token gating would be uh, good for brands but you also mentioned the lack of literacy. So that being said, would you say like, you know, uh, to tackle the education and mass adoption challenge, getting something free on a purchase of XML, like for instance, 
just to provide context to uh, the audience out there for us to say i buy some buy an x product from a certain company and on purchase of that product there's a small qr code which is there on the packaging and on scanning the qr code it grants me some sort of a token which essentially not only acts as a uh, you know proof of purchase but you also get something free along with it because people love free stuff do you see that you know could be a possible strategy amongst many others that can be employed to tackle this challenge yeah i mean definitely right and I, so i guess if i had to answer that question i'd take it back up a level right so i'd say like at the end of the day tokens are only useful uh, i'll stay away from the word valuable because i don't want to have like a financial connotation but tokens are really only useful where they actually make sense and so the one article that you mentioned i wrote about when do tokens make sense really just trying to provide a framework around we don't need to tokenize everything right like everything does not need to be tokenized when it doesn't make sense whether that's from a risk perspective it's from a regulatory perspective it's just from a bad user experience perspective right like we should be building things that people either want or need um and so if you go into it with that mindset right tokens are great when they're needed and when they're needed and we can design experiences around them for a specific customer base so if i'm targeting web3 natives yeah i may want to pronunciate the fact that i'm using tokens much more right but if i'm going after maybe an older demographic that doesn't know and maybe doesn't even care what a token is right but i can create an experience that uses tokens then over time the people that do know the people that do care it matters to them but for the other people it's completely abstracted away to a degree right that's where tokens become beneficial where we just tokenize to give people things that are tokens, I don't find I don't think that that at, at at the core is a very valuable thing. I think it's what is the experience you want to deliver, what are the requirements of that experience, what does your customer actually want, and then do tokens make sense? And if so, then deploy them right in a way that makes sense based on your customer base. And so that's really what I'm getting at with all this stuff. Like I I love tokenization, right? I've been in blockchain for so long. I just want us to make sure that we're building things that you know, don't bring a negative light to the space that don't you know, kind of aren't scammy. They aren't hype. It's like we're building actual products or services that people want. And I think token gating, you know, you mentioned token gating. Token gating is one of those things that will be a product and service. And you may not know it's a token as an end consumer. You may know it's a token, but you're getting something because you hold that token, whether it's in an email based wallet that you as a non Web3 native don't understand as a wallet. You just know that you own this digital good, right? Or it's in your actual self-custody wallet and you're getting something from it. Or, you know, you mentioned that one other article, right? Token gating without tokens. Maybe it's maybe it's based on your past purchase history, whether you own that token or not. It's based on that public ledger data that exists. And I think that that's kind of, that will be the, or is and will be the game changer use case of all of this is how do you provide access across the existing walled gardens that we have today? So, Constantino, would you like to chime in on this regarding what Brett shared? Like, do your thoughts you know resonate with this? Or what do you have to share on this? Yeah, um, uh, I completely agree with uh, Brett. Uh, um, what what he said. I mean, this is um, this. I think if we, uh, at the time that Brett speaking, I was thinking uh, the big hype that happened in the metaverse the last uh, last year and right now is going down. Uh, and the people believe that, uh, oh, the metaverse was a bubble and then it goes down. The reason that this is happening is because right now everybody has access to everything. 
and everybody believes that they can create something just to 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 make to make it without any reason so um so it's like what brett says i mean you don't need to tokenize any everything if there no sense so it's the same to everywhere i think uh you don't need to create a startup because only for the reason that you want to make money and we try to manipulate your phrases in your mind about what is the metaverse and everything and then you do build nothing then doesn't have any sense and that creates a huge um cloud that confuses investors confuses people and then in the end you have nothing so this is that creates a, a big um mess let's say to the business to any business so um this is i mean brett speaks for me about the essence of making things happen i mean you need to have a real purpose in doing things you need to really um have a value on what you're you, at, at least to to a small viable audience before you go to do something you know constantino i was listening to you know one of your podcasts and i think it was a startup slang podcast if i'm not wrong and he mentioned over there that there you know quote you know i'm quoting you here now during the pandemic we realized that the current web2 was not enough but we do not have the tech to support a vision of the metaverse now some might say that the tech is not here but if it's not here then is it right venturing into the unknown specifically when all of web3 is so expensive um what actually meant about that i know i'm that... sorry to cut you but yeah. you know i i understand yeah. i'm asking controversial questions over here in a way so uh, yeah yeah, yeah no, no everything's okay so um what i meant because it was in inside of a context is and it's connected to what uh we speak before about uh doing things that make sense is that um we are focusing on of building something so huge like the metaverse but uh we uh, we thought that we can build it in one day you cannot build rome in one day so if you if you think about the whole metaverse thing it's not about um something that is um a, a new tool that you can do something it's a huge and uh it needs a combination of many many technologies that someone needs to 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 take them as a pieces of a puzzle and put it in 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 the correct way in order to to have the picture and um, that was obvious when we spent a lot of think trying to define what is metaverse and the first and we didn't come with uh uh with a, um, a standard definition let's say we, we we never had standards on building that until today i mean we don't have so it's not something that we that we have the technology let's say ready to apply it in a standard metaverse that everybody can dive there and uh, transfer themselves there so everything it was like a mess because uh, i just come back to my previous um thing to say that everybody wants to make money for this everybody wants to invest and to have fast result okay i like to have the metaverse here the true the one the real one but unfortunately i cannot have it in one day i need to work my butt to do that this is why we speak about 2030 because it's not only that we have to we don't have the 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 ultimate technology to reach there the people are not ready to 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 get it i mean let's say of ai for example even the ai is here 
but the people are not ready to that. They fear of it. And um, and this is the, the, the question that we have to, to address to ourselves. Are we prepared ourselves to the priorities that we set for the future? So this is the biggest problem. Technology is here somehow, but can we manage it? I mean, um, are, we, are we ready for this? I mean, I go, I will give you just an example. In netizens, for example, we have a marketplace that we sell their digital fashion and we sell a lot. We sell thousand pieces per day. This number is huge for a physical brand. But when we go to the physical brand and we say, hey, we have a marketplace with 300 million avatars that we can sell for you 1,000 pieces for, for day, you don't need to do anything. We design for you. We make everything for you, the marketing, everything. They just watching us, staring at us like that. They never understand. They don't get it. They need time. Brett, what's your take on this, you know, this open-ended question which I asked? No, I think Constantino hit on a lot of the major points, right? The metaverse is a convergence of many different technologies, a lot of them being emerging technologies. And if you've ever worked in emerging technology, you know that, right, you're in emerging technology, that technology is not at its end state. It's probably if you're, you know, if, if enterprises are deploying, it's probably at a state um, where it's a bit more mature, right? And it can handle some of these applications. But again, like it's not at the end state. And I think that's the most important thing. So a lot of the negative press that you see in the media, right, is probably from, what, again, what we were talking about earlier, some of the hype, some of the scams that were going on in this space as it started to proliferate. It's also probably around the fact that, you know, not everybody's ready for the change that is going to come. Not everybody might even realize that there's a change that's coming. And then I think the technology itself is still maturing. Like even VR, they're still working out kinks. There's, I mean, Apple just launched a product, right? I mean, AR, until AR is a bit easier to use, right? Not everybody's going to use it. And there's different people that are at different um, points of technology adoption, right? There's, there's kind of the early adopters, there's fast followers, there's the people that really wait and see until the end. And there's the people that just kind of come at the end, right? So you have different you know, adoption uh, personas, I guess you could say. And I think that just right now, even on the Web3 side, like on the blockchain side, not on the extended reality side, right? You, it, it's what people would call a bear market right now, right? Um, and this is, you know, that's global macroeconomic kind of challenges that the world is facing. Um, and so it's just a down period of time, but the technology is still being built. All the big companies in the world are still pushing this forward, right? Um, I mean, you see the high tech brand or the high tech companies today, they're all investing in this space. So it'll come, um, just working in emerging tech for the past six years, you know, these things will come. It just takes time. Yeah. You know, you, uh, mentioned earlier, like, you know, metaverse, like the gaming aspect had a lot of, you know, uh, I won't say influence, but metaverse kind of stems from the massive multi role playing games in a way. So, you know, I would like to conclude this discussion with an even more controversial open-ended question. So, is the metaverse just another form of an escape hatch? Like gaming is in a way to escape our daily mundane life. Brett, if you can start with you. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think so, to be honest. I think the metaverse, um, as we know it, right, it's more of a convergence of our physical and digital lives rather than an escape. Um, I think a lot of it, a lot of the early conversations stemmed from gaming, but it's not just gaming. There's so much more to it, I think, in terms of kind of how you interact with your brand. I do think gamification, the, the mechanics of gamification kind of will be a huge part of it, right? Like, how do you actually interact with your brand? What what does loyalty become? Uh, what does commerce become, right? Like, I think those elements will be, but I don't think it's necessarily an escape. I think it's kind of an extension. It adds that spatial part of the internet. Um, so I, I think it's much more complementary than a, a replacer and an escape. Constantina, what is your take? Um, from my point of view, it's, um, it's, um, it's a combine the imagination of the people, what, what the people, let's say, have in their mind. Instead of asking, for example, what is the metaverse, it's need to ask uh, what we want to be the metaverse. Because right now we have the ability, let's say, at least in the beginning, we are in the beginning of this ability, as we said, um, to build something that is beyond. This is, we have to not forget that metaverse is beyond reality. So, or to say it better, is beyond physical world. So physical limitations. And um, having a new framework, having the, the ability to build a new framework, we don't know yet how to do it because we're thinking in our physical limitations. We're thinking with the central point of our physical characters. And we need to give time to the metaverse to expand and start thinking how it is by being in there, by diving there. So all those questions cannot really um, answered in a uh, single, let's say, phrase or in once. I mean, yes, when you read a book, for example, or you see a movie, you escape in there. So there is nothing to, to the people that they would like to say, okay, I would like to be like this character. I would like to be like that. So I see the cinematic way in the metaverse because we can do it. I see also the gamification part because we can do it. Um, but in the, in, the, in the base, in the, in the foundation of the metaverse, that's not the core. I mean, that's not the reason. You can do it, but that doesn't mean that you do it for that. I mean, in the, in the fundamental foundation of, of the metaverse, for me, it should be sustainability. We need to build a future that is a sustainable future. And when I speak about sustainability, I speak about environmental, financial, and social sustainability. We have the opportunity to build something that connects everyone in an environment that is so real and so um, experiential, let's say, um, world, that yes, you can be whatever you want to be, and um, we don't need to lose focus on on the on the on an aside, let's say, um, aspects. I mean, we lose that in the web too. We have the social media that we can connect everyone in the in the same, let's say, window, speaking about uh, everything in a seconds, and we can create groups that can evolve everyone. And what we did. We share selfies, cute babies, and cute pets, and eggs. So that's just a symptom of what we do. We don't need to focus on the symptom. Yes, we can do that, but that wasn't the purpose. The purpose is to connect, to interact, to feel experience, to get emotional, uh, to evoke emotional things, to be 
global as one. This is the most important thing for me. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective from both of y'all. So, uh, you know, I would like to end this whole discussion by, you know, where can people connect with you? Like, Brett, like, would you, which platform would you prefer in general? Yeah, if people want to reach out, feel free to reach out on either LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm at Brett, Hor at Brett Hornung on both. Um, I write a blog over on Medium as well. Um, so any of those three, feel free to reach out. Always happy to chat Web3. Constantino? Um, LinkedIn is uh, the number one. Instagram also. I have my website. I have Netizen's website. And um, any other media they prefer, except phone. I never answer the phone. I prefer to start and communicate through the media. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for chiming in both of you. I understand your time is very, very important and crucial. So uh, looking forward to having one more or a few more down the line, if you don't mind. And uh, I hope you'll have a great day ahead. Cheers. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Cheers.